Matthew Fox, the uh, Christian theologian, says that the transformation from our will, our personal selfish will, to God's will, to that will of the universal mind, to being a part of the unfolding of life, is a matter of abandoning oneself, of letting oneself go. Christ said, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's really the poor in will. Consider yourself where you find yourself and then abandon yourself. That's the best course. When we drop our masks, we become present. And being present is showing up. Because it's real presence that's happening behind our masks. It's that real presence that facilitates transformation, that loving presence that is not something of the mind, but is something of the heart. And in order for us to touch that real presence, we have to let our minds get out of the way. That presence which just allows the reality of consciousness to shine through. And that consciousness is the consciousness that makes a difference. That is the consciousness that comes from the heart rather than the cleverness of the mind. Rely on nothing so that nothing can do its work. It comes from the Buddhist idea, that good, uh, great Buddhist quote, O seeker, rely on nothing until you want for nothing. That idea of not striving for something, but just relying on that sense of peace that's within us. To do our work, as the Taoists say, and then step back. That is the path to serenity. Of just allowing things to happen, putting our energy into it, but not being bound up with the outcomes that happen in our lives. The opportunities uh, you know, to, to do that, to drop out of our ideas uh, and begin again, rarely happen in, in a year. You have the, the New Year resolutions, which I, I imagine all of us have broken by now and are in the past. But Lent is a time where you can start again. Those 40 days just give you an opportunity to re-engage. And I always think the key thing about uh, the re-engaging is it's being plugged in, not to our minds, but being plugged in to that universal mind, that, that universal consciousness. And, and the way we plug in is through our meditation practice. It is through whatever we do, whether it's you know, going for a walk or whatever it is that, that you do in a practice. Or if you don't have a practice, Lent is a really ideal opportunity to take up a practice, to do something and try it out just for a short period of time, because you never know what it might be like. I said to someone the other day, I'd never talk about drinking in the chapel because it was too much of a, an issue, but I'm going to talk about drinking now, because actually, last year, I was, uh, we were doing the 50th anniversary, and I thought, you know, I've really got to be on my metal. This was August, and it, there was such a lot of work to do. And, you know, you needed every bit of energy that you could do. I thought, well, how can I make sure that I've really got enough energy in my life to do it? I said, I know what I'll do. I'll give up drinking. 
Now, I haven't, you know, I, I wasn't a huge drinker, a couple of glasses of wine five nights a week, that sort of amount, you know. But I thought, I'll just, I'll give it up just for the two weeks uh, leading up to, uh, you know, to, to the end of the 50th anniversaries. So I did, I gave it up. And, you know, I felt so much better. I mean, I was sleeping well. I was, had time for the children. I started reading in the evening. And the two weeks came to an end. And I thought, I'm just going to carry on. You know? And I, so I just carried on. I, mean, I mean, went back to England, had a drink in England. I'm not, sort of, I'm not religious about it. But I tried something out for a two-week period. And I found, for me, it completely worked. Now, if we meet me in a social setting and I'm drinking, they go, oh, you're drinking now again. So, give me a break, all right? But the fact of the matter is this, this period of Lent gives you an opportunity just to try something out. If you're not doing a meditation practice, it's an opportunity to try that out. If you, if you haven't got any sort of practice, it's an opportunity to do that. And it's an opportunity, and the whole idea originally was to prepare oneself for Easter, I mean, these things, you know, are completely artificial. The dates and, you know, Christmas, Easter, who knows when it will happen. And it is all artificial anyway, but it's just an opportunity to move towards something and just see how life changes. And so what we, we do with the, the, the whole idea of the, the ashing on, on Good Friday, on, on um, Ash Wednesday, it's an opportunity to do something physical, and you will have an opportunity to be ashed of it later on, is to do something physical which says, I'm going to, whatever it is you want to do, and I'm going to allow this period of my life, this next 40 days, just to try something out to see if I can get out of my head, to see if I can bring my heart alive in a new way. And surely that's what we all want. All of us really just wants to bring our hearts alive in a new way. And the way that we do that is that we plug into the universal mind, you know, whatever you like to call it. I mean, God's such an unhelpful word, you know, the universal mind, the ground of all being, whatever you like to call it. That order that's fundamentally at the center of all life. Now, it is possible, and loads of people have said, and mystics, you can plug into that. You ha can have that be an organizing principle in your life. And this little period that we have now, this little service here, this, this Ash Wednesday leading in, into Lent, is that opportunity to take that and, and make something happen. So I'd like you, we're going to have a little guided meditation, which is one of those eyes closed things in a moment. But I'd like you just to consider what you could do just to enable you over that, this period of time, just to connect in a, in a more deep way in your own life. Maybe things that you've been meaning to do, maybe things that you thought, oh, well, when the opportunity arises, what could you do just to connect and to allow yourself to move forward. In the next few weeks, I'm going, I sometimes use this, the prayer, the colic for purity, you know, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. So most of you heard me use that during services. And during Lent, I'm going to use that as a series to look at each of the different lines in that prayer, which is a collect for purity. It is a, a way of, of connecting in a deeper way. So we're going to look at that during the Lent period. So there will be constant reminders during this period. You know, we want to support you. If you want to come see me at all, you know, if, you, if you're unclear about your practice, 
and you want to have something deeper, then, you know, just give me a ring and, and come in and see me. Make an appointment, come in and see me. And we can, you know, I'll have a chat or whatever. But it is just, I want to give that opportunity over this next 40 days uh, to do that. Anybody got any questions at all? Yes! Good! Um, I didn't grow up with the Lent. Yeah. So is Lent letting go of something that has an answer to you? Is it just kind of sitting and meditating? Yeah, Lent means, it is, it, is, it is lengthening of days. That's where Lent comes from. It's the lengthening of days. It actually means spring. That's what the whole thing is. And, you know, traditionally, you know, in, you know, you know how nowadays in, in churches things just happen, you know, whatever it is. And people, you know, they give up chocolates or they give up alcohol. You know, that's the tradition. And actually the reason you do that is because when you let go of your support mechanisms whether it be television, shopping, chocolate, whatever it is, feelings come up that you have to deal with. So let's say that you, you are regularly drinking or you are regularly eating chocolate, nowadays, whatever it is. Let's say you've got some coping mechanisms that you've put in your life just to make sure you're okay. Giving up those coping mechanisms means that new feelings will come up that you're suppressing with those coping mechanisms. And it allows you an opportunity to deal with those coping mechanisms, deal with those feelings that have come up without the coping mechanisms being there. That's why people traditionally give stuff up. But it is a period of purification, really. Advent is another period of purification. And it just leads up, you know, to Easter. And it could be anything, really. It's just an excuse to think, okay, I'm going to use this period. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, you let them, just let them come up and allow and have those feelings. That's what I mean by that. Yeah, Ex by dealing with them, I mean being willing to experience those feelings rather than suppress them. And you know where they're coming from. Might be a feeling of aloneness, of not being loved, feeling of being abandoned, feeling that you that you haven't got any friends, feeling that life's treating you in a bad way. Whatever those those thoughts and feelings are. Some of them deserve looking at and just gives you an opportunity to look at them. It doesn't always happen that way. It could be just you want to reconnect. But that's what we're doing. Anybody else? Feeling, thoughts? Okay, so we can have a little guided meditation. So it's just an opportunity for you to uh, just to, to think about that. So maybe with our eyes closed... Just get a sense where you might go over these next 40 days, what might be your journey, if you have one, what you might take up, what you might let go of, where you might want to be. How do you aspire to manifest yourself as a human being? 
what little course changes might help that. I just want you now just to let that go and just maybe reflect on the question if someone asks you, who are you? Someone says, who are you? Could be your name, first of all, your age, your sex. You could say you're a father, mother, son, friend. When someone says, who are you? What do you identify with? Is it your job? Is it your relationship? Is it your family? Who are you? Is it where you live? Is it the car you drive? Is it what you do? Is it your success? Is it your failure? Who are you? Is it your health? Are you defined by your health? Is it your wealth? Is it your potential? Is it your reputation? What is it for you? Who are you? And how do you think others see you? Is it your personality? What do they think of you? The persona. Is it your money? Do they think about your money or your job? Your beliefs? Is it what you've done? Is it the noise you make? Or is it your silence? Is it the impact you make on the world? Or your lack of impact? Do people think about your health? Or your looks? Or your reliability? How else do others think of you? And what will people remember of you when you're gone? What will they remember of you? Would it, is it what you've done? Is it who you've known? Is it your successes or your failures? Is it your impact on them? Is it your looks? your money, your meanness, your wisdom, your kindness? What will people remember of you when you're gone? Barack Obama once said, we are reminded that in the fleeting time we have on earth, 
What matters is not wealth or status or power or fame, but rather how well we have loved and what small part we've played in making the lives of others better. Just decide to let go of all those ideas and thoughts that you have about yourself, how others think of you. What sort of reality you're trying to create. Come to a point of being willing to reset to become present. Nothing in life is more important than being present, being fully present. Psalm 103 says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. And so we undertake this ritual of letting go, letting go of our ideas of ourselves, of the outcomes we're wishing for in our lives, letting them go, of the fears we have, of the hopes and dreams. We have an opportunity of receiving the ash on our forehead as a symbol of our willingness to open to the living presence of the Great Spirit, that present moment. And so we come before you, living presence, dead to ourselves, but alive to you, open to your living presence, and dead to all that we thought we were. We now come forward to take on the ashes of death. From dust we came, and to dust we shall return. We open now to the presence of death. We give up to that presence by giving up in the present moment, we become alive. The death we experience in this moment and the death that's to come to us all, steering us with the guiding power of your love that we may reach towards that light which brings us new life. Amen. So I'm just going to invite you to open your eyes. And myself and Heather and Michael are going to come forward. And uh, I'm going to just give Michael this. Michael's just going to stand here facing the other way. Greg, do you want to come forward? And Greg is just going to come here uh, facing here. There we are. And Heather's just going to come here facing here. Now, I'm just going to invite you uh, just to come forward now, just to receive... Uh, the ash on your forehead. You don't have to, but just receive the ash on your forehead. You can come to any one of these four stations and someone will come up to you. May are you up for this? So if you come forward, I'll just say what will happen. We'll come forward. You just stand in front of me now and I'll just take a tiny bit of ash and just put it on your forehead like that and I'll say, dust you are and to dust you shall return. 
take the way of Christ in all things. And then you just go and sit down like that. Good. So I'd just like to invite anybody that'd like to come up to receive uh, the dust. Liz, dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Seek the way of Christ in all things. Phyllis, dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Seek the way of Christ in all things. Turn my microphone off. Can you put ash all over it? It's interesting the, uh, when you say the way of Christ, what we're really referring to is Richard Raw's idea of the universal Christ. I always loved the idea that Christ wasn't Jesus' surname. It designated him as an expression of that universal mind. And all of us, as Jesus, can become an expression of, of that universal mind. And to seek the way of Christ is to seek to have our minds, that full self, get out of the way and that we start to live from our hearts, to be plugged in to that universal mind and have an experience and expression of that universal mind in all that we do.